today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Why would you receive the mark of the beast? To be able to buy or sell. And you have to be willing to worship the beast. Now, unless you say, well, the beast is the economic system, which I believe the beast controls the economic system. He is not the economic system. So there's a lot of things that I believe there's a lot of confusion about. Number one, I'm not going to get one of those chips in my skin, okay? Uh, even if I get uh, uh, Alzheimer's and get old, don't put a chip in. Don't put a chip in my skin, okay? Just don't do that, okay? Is it the mark of the beast? I don't think so, but I think that there's a lot of preludes that are coming up to it. We read about the mark of the beast in the Bible. There are differing schools of thoughts about what the mark will actually be. Pastor David wants to encourage us all today to be prepared. The way we know when something is fake is by studying the real thing. So, the way to know the voice of God, as opposed to the mark, is by knowing the Lord intimately. That comes with time spent in His Word daily. This puts us in the practice of hearing His voice so that we won't be fooled by Satan's antics. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Open Word. For those of you who have looked at or studied or you've read the book of Revelation, you're semi-familiar with it even, what's happening in the first three chapters is, again, Jesus' word to the seven churches. And again, we'll get into that as, as we get into the book of Revelation. But there is an interesting thing. The very last church that he speaks about there in chapter Three and it's verses 14 through verse 22, is the Laodicean church. Anybody know what this problem with the Laodicean church was primarily? They were lukewarm. They were lukewarm. They were just kind of riding the waves. They weren't on fire for Christ, neither were they against Christ. They were just kind of there. And we're going to look into this when we get into Revelation and I believe in these seven churches, not only do we see seven uh, uh, ages of church history, but I believe that also at the same time, you can take those seven churches and plant them at any point in time in those ages, and we can see symbols, we can see thoughts and ideas of the church at that time. Do you think that the church, some portion of the church, any part of the church might be lukewarm today? I think we can shake our head like this, because the church, by and large, is lukewarm. Not on fire for God. There's not a Holy Spirit fire that's just burning in the church right now, that's changing communities, that's changing the world. Oh, we see a little bit here, and we see a little glimmer there, but not in the church as a whole. So as we look at this, that last church, the lukewarm, 
warm church. Another another side note on the midst of this. We're, we're also warned in in the New Testament writings that the end times are going to be a time when the visible church is going to be a great falling away. Do you remember what I spoke and I've, we've spoken in the past about the visible church and the true church? The visible church is every church that opens its doors and all the people that are inside the church doors. Everybody that says, it's, it's the Barner reports that says that 75% of Americans are Christians. That might be the visible church. But I don't believe that everybody that says I'm a believer is truly a believer. You say, well, that's very judgmental of you, pastor. No, I just take that from the word of God. When Jesus says that in that day, many are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord. And he says, you know what? I never knew you. And they're going to say, yeah, but I was really busy about church. I did a whole lot of church stuff. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. There is a difference between the visible church and the true church. Okay, And the word says that within the visible church, in the end times, there's going to be a great falling away, what they call an apostasy. And they're, they're going to gather to themselves these false teachers. We'll be back in Revelation in a minute. Just let me read to you from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica. He says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus. So he's speaking about it at the end times. And our gathering together to him, we ask you, don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ is come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasy, comes first. And that man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And we'll get into him as we get into Revelation some more. Paul also writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, for the time will come when they, speaking of the visible church, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I don't know. Let me ask you. Do you see any of that happening? I think we do. I think we do. And, and, and I'm, I'm not a megachurch blaster by, by any sense. Of, some of them are doing just awesome works. But I know that there's some that's it's just filling them with Cotton candy. Filling them with cotton candy. And you know what cotton candy is, don't you? Everything gets whipped in a whirl, stirred all up. It's nothing but sweetness and full of hot air. Okay? And there's some that are just being drawn to that by the droves because they're never challenged in their faith. I can walk away from there feeling great every day. But am I challenged in my faith? And am I being drawn deeper in relationship with Christ? It's happening today, probably more so, just simply because of mass media and all other kinds of things. Turning aside from the truth, turning to fables, feel-good message, no commitment, without a change of their personal lives at all. So it's after the warning to the seven churches there in Revelation, and in particular after that lukewarm 
Laodicean church there at the end of chapter 3, that in the book of Revelation, as we begin chapter 4, suddenly there's a change that takes place. When you, again, when we, when you read those things, the chapters and verses were never there to begin with. So as John is writing this out, he writes about the seventh church, the lukewarm church, the Laodicean church. Then as we move right into chapter four, listen to these words. He says, now it's after these things, after the word that Jesus gave to the seven churches, it was after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Well, if you remember in Thessalonians, we spoke about a trumpet that's going to call us up, okay? I heard a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, come up here. The whole idea, after the church age, this whole idea of coming up here, and I'll show you things which which must take place after this. After what? After the church age. After these seven church ages, I believe, after the time of that lukewarm church, after that time of apostasy, after that time of man masses turning with tickling ears, after this, things that will must take place after this. And immediately, he says, I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. This transformation, a dynamic change that suddenly happened as John is called into the heavens. And for two chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5, we read of this great worship, this great celebration in the heavenlies. And for the next 13 chapters after that, we read of the wrath of God being poured out. I believe the church is in the heavens celebrating and worshiping while the wrath of God is being poured out on the earth. During that time of wrath, yeah, there's going to be some that are saved. There will be some that are left here on the earth that have heard the gospel message probably over and over and over again that probably thought that they were saved, believed that they were saved, but never truly had a relationship with Christ. And as soon as the rapture is taken, a husband is gone, a wife is gone, parents are gone, friends are gone, they're left. Will they have a chance to come to Christ at that time? Well, the word says that those that come to Christ during that time, they'll be almost immediately martyred. And if it's difficult for them to come to Christ now, how much more difficult will it be for them then? You come to Christ, you'll not eat, you'll not buy, you'll not sell. You think that you have persecution now because you're a believer, or if you came to Christ at that point in time, The world turns against you. The system is absolutely against you. Oh, some will be, but they will be martyred at that time, and it won't be an easy conversion for them. Following those 13 chapters of, again, the wrath of God being poured out, we read in Revelation chapter 19. Look over there, if you would. Flip over to chapter 19. Then John says, what's the first three words in your Bible? After these things. 
after these things, after those 13 chapters of the wrath of God being poured out, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. And then on into verses 7 and 9, we see that marriage supper of the Lamb. Christ is the bridegroom, the church as his bride. Again, this sudden change that takes place in those opening verses back in chapter 4. I believe that it's very evident that in chapter 4 of Revelation, John is called up to heaven. I believe personally that it speaks of the rapture of the church. Chapters 4 and 5 speak about that great time of praise and worship with the four living elders. Again, the 24 or the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the bride all gathered together for that final preparation. Chapters 6 through 18, the times of turmoil, the times of trial and tribulation, God's wrath being poured out on the earth, a time that we see All throughout scripture, this has been described as seven earthly years, that great tribulation. And again, as we get into Revelation, we'll look more into that timing and how, how that's all pulled together. And then again, suddenly the scene changes again in chapter 19. As uh, again, Babylon is destroyed. Uh, that that culmination of the seven years tribulation period, bringing about now that final the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. Now. These final events that are found in chapter 19 and 20, then in the second half of chapter 19 and actually into chapter 20, we see that second coming of Christ, uh, um, verse 11 of chapter 19. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat upon it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judged and he makes war and his eyes are like, that's that final judgment of Christ that comes on. Satan is bound for a thousand years, he's cast in that bottomless pit. That thousand-year millennial reign comes into play at this point in time in chapter 20. And then the final state of all things in chapters 21 and in 22, and that brings us to the new heavens and the new earth, the coming of that great city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb dwelling among the people. And we see that here. So a question for you, and we'll get into it more later as we get into Revelation. Where where do we spend eternity? In heaven? No. The new earth. The new earth. It's a trick question, by the way, that Jehovah's Witnesses might talk to you. Because they'll ask you, where where are you going to spend eternity? Well, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. And they'll open your Bible and take you to the book of Revelation. Say, well, that's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And on it is going to dwell righteousness, the new Jerusalem coming from heaven, coming down on earth, new heaven and new earth. Read it yourself. We'll look at it more when we get into Revelation. So real quick, too, what about that thousand-year reign? Uh, somebody says that there's a thousand views of the thousand-year reign. Okay, what, What's going to happen during that time? What do we do? 
what are we going to do during that thousand-year reign of Christ? And again, there's all kinds of differing views. Understand, please, understand. These are not salvation issues, okay? So if you're here tonight and you say, you know, Pastor, I really don't believe in the rapture. I believe it's just going to be the second coming. Everything's going to take place. Well, that's okay. That, you're, you're still my brother and my sister. And when the rapture happens, you'll know exactly how it works, okay? There'll be no question in your mind. So I have no problem with that. So some look at this whole idea of the thousand years, and they have some differences. Um, turn with me, if you would. There, in, in, You ought to be probably in Revelation chapter 20. And he reads, and then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now, let me stop right there. Put your finger at the beginning of verse three. Is the devil real? Or is he just an essence? Is he just an attitude, a presence, a frame of mind? He's real. He is a real entity. You, you might call him a real person, though he is not flesh and blood. He is a fallen angel. Again, we're not going to get into that study here tonight, but it's a very interesting study for you to get in on your own understand he is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. He's not omniscient. He does not know all things. He is very limited. He is not eternal as God in Christ is eternal. Okay, He was a created being. Okay? Neither is it the idea, and the unfortunate thing is it's, it's, it's worked really well for George Lucas, okay? But there is not a dark side and a light side that is fighting against <laughs> each other, okay? Uh, in the uh, Eastern culture, it's the yin and the yang that, that fight against each other. Come to the dark side, Luke, you know? No, that's, that's not the way it is. Satan is a created being. He's not going to overpower God. God wins, okay? I read the last chapter of the last book. God wins. Now, there are times it looks like he's winning. But that's because man gives to him authority that is not his. Man surrenders to him abilities. And, and again, that, 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 that those processes in their lives that, that is not really his. But man surrenders that way. God reigns and rules. So there will come a time when the one who is called the dragon, the serpent of old, the devil and Satan, sleuth foot, in other words, uh, and they bind him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. Let me back up real quick because I went right over. How long did he bind him for? More or less, right? Yeah, more or less a thousand years. Kind of a season, right? No, for a thousand years. He cast him in the bottomless pit. He shut him up. He set a seal on him that he should not deceive the nations anymore till how long? A thousand years were finished. And then after these things, he has to be released for a while. I know that there is part of the Christian community 
who believe that that when Christ was crucified on the cross, when Christ was crucified on the cross, and he declared, it is finished, that again, Christ being victorious, that at that point in time, Satan was bound, and that Christ reigns and rules victorious even now. I look around in the world today, it doesn't look like he's very bound to me. I do not believe that that's the case. And they're the ones who say, well, everything in the book of Revelation has pretty much already taken place. And when you see the fall of Jerusalem and everything in 70 AD, that's what this was all about. It was all symbolic of the Roman rule and, uh, again, the fall of Israel and, and all of that. And that's all done, so we don't really need to worry about that. I believe that somebody has really pulled the wool over a lot of people's eyes. Is are these kinds of things difficult to understand and to be able to nail it down for sure? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, there, there are some things that seem so clear and so evident, but as I said, it's not a salvation issue. But the thing that I am concerned on is for those people who believe that Satan is bound right now. Because he's not. He is not. He is still, even in the New Testament, he writes, man, he is lurking around like what? A roaring lion. Looking for who he can devour. That doesn't sound like he was sealed and shut up and uh, put in that bottomless pit and chained up at all. He says, but after these things, he must be released for a little time. And verse 4 says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. And then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. Now, the time frame on that, and again, we'll look at that as we get into Revelation. There will be that mark. And we've we talked about that since the 70s of what that mark looks like. Uh, you know, the the... If you got anything that you bought, you know, in the last, you know, 40 years, it's got the UPC code on it. Now, some of you are old enough to remember when that first came out. And if you were a Christian and you were in a, an evangelical, evangelistic uh, church and you believed in the rapture and everything, that was the beginning of the mark of the beast. Okay? And then all of a sudden, you know, on our, our credit cards, there's that little magnetic strip. That's the mark of the beast. And there's all other kinds of things. That's the mark of the beast. How do you receive the mark of the beast? Why do you receive the mark of the beast? Anybody? Forehead or forearm. Why would you receive the mark of the beast? To be able to buy or sell. And you have to be willing to worship the beast. Now, unless you say, well, the beast is the economic system, which... I believe the beast controls the economic system. He is not the economic system. So there's a lot of things that I believe there's a lot of confusion about. Number one, I'm not going to get one of those chips in my skin, okay? Uh, even if I get uh, uh, Alzheimer's and get old, don't put a chip in. Don't put a chip in my skin, okay? Just don't do that, okay? Is it the mark of the beast? I don't think so, but I think that there's a lot of preludes that are coming up to it. I mean, the very fact, and, and again, I, I, I love in the 70s, we had those, those movies, you know, Fire on the Mountain, uh, 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 there's, there was a whole host of them, I can't remember them, but I mean, they were able to track you. Open our hearts, 
We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from The Open Word. Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris. We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on The Open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day. So why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.